We have uh, two more messages left in our uh, series called Experiencing God, uh, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. And uh, today we are going to talk about how we must make adjustments in our lives to join God in what he is doing. And so we began by talking about how uh, God is at work all around us, uh, and he's at work in us. Uh, That God is truly at work in each and every one of us here. He's at work in you. He's at work in your family. He's at work in your work environment. He's at work in this community. He is at work in this nation. And we need to walk uh, as believers with open eyes, always trying to look for where God is working. Because God is not a distant God who is not involved. He is highly involved in our lives and in this world. And then we went to talk on how God uh, is a relational God. That he's not just a a God who works and doesn't relate to people, but God is also very relational. And he wants uh, to walk in relationship with each of us in a deep and intimate way. And it's an amazing thing when you can know God and and experience God and just walk with him. This is the kind of God that we serve. And then thirdly, we looked at how God is inviting us to join him in what he is doing. Again, God is at work all, all around us, and God is constantly saying to us, would you join me in what I'm doing? Would you join me in what I'm doing in your life? Would you join me in what I'm doing in the community? Would you join me in what I'm doing in the church? Because God is a God who is a working God and a loving God. And we talked about how uh, true life is really found when we begin to, to join God. Because, I mean, the Bible talks about how we were actually created in advance to join God in what he, he is doing. That if we just simply live for ourselves and for our own little kingdom, that we will truly miss out on living life to the fullest as Jesus offers us. And so we need to be joining God in what he is doing in our lives and the lives and uh, circumstances around us. But to really know where God is working, we talked number, uh, in, the number, in the fourth sermon about uh, hearing God's voice. That God is a God who speaks. And just as we can speak in a lot of different ways, I can speak uh, with my mouth, I can speak with my hands, I can make a sign. There's lots of ways I could speak to you. So too God speaks in a variety of ways. Uh, we looked at kind of the four main ways, and that is God speaks through his word. You should be reading this book as much as you can. Uh, God speaks through events and circumstances. You might look at an event or a circumstance and you just say, I think God's in that. I think God is doing something there. Uh, God speaks through other believers. Uh, You're not the only person who has the Holy Spirit. All believers have the Holy Spirit. And God is speaking through all believers. Every believer has different gifts. And we need to be in community with other Christians to really know and understand uh, God's voice a lot of times. And then fourthly, God speaks through impressions. He speaks to our heart. He lays things on our mind, and uh, he speaks to us. And so God is speaking, and he is calling us to join him in what he is doing. And then we talked about uh, what happens often is when we see God at work, and he begins to call us to something that often leads us to a crisis of belief. And that is when God calls us to do something that is bigger than ourselves. And God loves to do that. He loves to call us to tasks that are, that are way bigger than what we can handle, that are way beyond our ability, and we tend to freak out when God does that. We have a crisis of belief. Not, you know, do I believe in God or not, but do I really believe God is who he says he is? Do I really believe God is all-powerful? 
Do I really believe that God can work through someone like me? Do I really believe that God can move mountains? Do I really believe in the miraculous? And, and you have this crisis. Do I really believe God? Do I really believe he's for me or not? And today we're going to talk about making adjustments. Because if you make it through that crisis of belief and you, and you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I believe that you're a miraculous God. I believe that you can do the impossible. I believe that you can carry me through the situation that is bigger than myself. Myself, We will need to make adjustments then to join God. So if God is at work, left, and you're going right, to join God, you need to change your direction and go left, right? Uh, if God is working five kilometers away and you're this way, in order to join God, you need to adjust. You need to move towards where God is. I mean, Mike and Carol are back on the sound booth. They're working. If they said, hey, Jesse, would you join me? And I stay here, then I'm not going to be joining them, right? I'm not going to get to experience what they're doing with them because I'm far away. And this is the same with God. God is inviting us to join him in what he is doing. But in order to join him in what he is doing, we need to make adjustments to get there. So God is at work in your life. We need to make adjustments to join him. God is at work around us, and there are times we need to make adjustments to join him because where God is working is where he is, and if you're not there, then you're going to miss out on experiencing God. You're going to miss out on knowing and doing the will of God. So we need to learn to make adjustments. Now, sometimes God will ask us to make little tiny adjustments. Uh, maybe God will say, hey, could you... You see your neighbor and they need some help and you just take a couple hours out of your week and go help your neighbor. I mean, it's a pretty minor adjustment in your life. Or maybe you see a financial need and you meet that need and it's like, well, maybe I just, you know, can't go out to dinner as much this month. You know, minor adjustment or, you know, there's a lot of minor adjustments God will ask us to make. But there are times when God will ask us to make major adjustments in our life. And again, those lead us to a crisis of belief. We've got to decide, am I, I going to follow or not? And we experience those. I mean, this week I had to do a little minor adjustment. Something came up and it cost me a couple extra hours out of the week, but I felt God was moving there. So I, so I made it happen. I adjusted my schedule a little bit. I've had major adjustments in my life. Uh, one of the bigger ones is when uh, I was following God in, uh, to, to become a pastor. Uh, after high school, I uh, was actually thinking about music school, but uh, I realized you can't make a lot of money that way, so I decided to just kind of do what my dad did. He was a mechanic, and so I did my, uh, finished my apprenticeship and got my journeyman mechanics license, and, and during that time, I became a Christian, and I just really felt that God was saying, you got, you got to learn as much as you can about the Bible, so I started taking uh, Bible school courses, and uh, and a couple years later, the pastor of the Nelson Church, Dan D Johnson, this was before we had Balfour or even had the Junction, the pastor there said, hey, would you want to be a part of our internship program? And we have a little internship program for anybody who's maybe exploring what it would like to be a pastor or work in ministry. And so it was like 15 hours a week at the church. And that took a little bit of adjustment because I had to kind of basically pull back from being a mechanic. It hit me a little financially, but it wasn't that big of an adjustment. And so I did that, and then the opportunity came up for me to become a full-time pastor. Now, that meant a major adjustment for me in my life, because uh, starting out as a pastor, you just you won't, don't make nearly as much as, as being a mechanic. And so, I mean, we had just built a house in Nelson. We had, we had a car that we had a payment for, 
and, and God is calling me this way, but to make this adjustment, uh, it meant a lot. I mean, we had to end up selling our house. We had to sell our car. We had to move into this little uh, triplex apartment behind the Chacamica Mall. But, you know, man, I, I, I'm glad I did because I get to experience what we get to experience here. I get been, been a part of planting this church and, and a part of many of your lives. And, and who knows where I would have been if I didn't make those adjustments. And I'm sure most of you have stories of how you've had to make adjustments to join God in what he is doing. And sometimes he will ask us to make major adjustments. In fact, here's just some of them you may need to make in your life. Career. He, God called me into a different career. He may call you into a different career. Uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, uh, when they began to follow Jesus, they had to change careers. They left their fishing business and began to follow Jesus. Uh, it was a career change. For Matthew, he left a lucrative tax collecting business. They were the, the rich guys in the day, and he left it all to go follow Jesus into full-time ministry. And it may be that God will call some of you into full-time ministry, and uh, it's never too old. You're never too old. I mean, I know people who have gone to Bible school in their 50s and 60s and because they felt God was calling them to make a shift or God may call some of you to become a missionary in another country. He may do that. And we've talked about before that, that every job is a kingdom job. It's not just pastors and missionaries who are doing kingdom work, but you can be a carpenter and doing kingdom work. And, and there are times when God may even cause you to become maybe a carpenter to a, you know, a mechanic or something like that because God is shifting you. God may cause you to move and adjust in your career. And when you do that, when you follow God, this is when you begin to experience him. Because where God is, there you want to be. Because where God is, that's when you begin to experience him. It may mean some adjustments in comforts. Uh, for instance, Esther was the queen of Persia. It's pretty comfortable probably being a queen. But her people were in trouble. Uh, the Jews were about to be eliminated. And she was faced with this task of having to go in front of the king and ask a big request, which in, in that kind of setting, uh, it could mean the, your life. Even if you were the queen, that you could die for asking the king a, a request like this. But she saw God at work, calling her to her task. And she leaves her comfortable life as a queen and goes out in fear before the king and... God is working there, and God opens up the doors, and she saves all her people. She gets to experience a tremendous miracle because she was willing to make adjustments in her life, even when she was afraid. Moses, we've talked about him. Uh, Moses had to leave his life as a shepherd. For 40 years, he's just shepherding sheep. He's got a wife. He's got kids. God says, I want you to go to Egypt and, and help me in what I'm doing to, 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 to free my people. That's not a very comfortable task to do, but he goes and does it, and he experiences a tremendous amount of miracles. He experiences incredible movements of God, which he would not have experienced if he didn't adjust his life. Jesus himself, uh, as we, we have talked, Jesus lived his life where he was always looking for where the Father was working, and Jesus joined in with what the Father was doing when he came to this earth, leaving the comforts of heaven, Philippians 2. Said Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. 
He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Or 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty that, that we might become rich and blessed and a child of God. I mean, he adjusted his life, left his comforts, and sometimes he'll call us to do that. He may cause you to adjust your location. He asked Abraham to leave his hometown and move to another country. Uh, Jonah had to leave his hometown and go to Nineveh. And because he was willing to adjust, Jonah, he witnessed, witnessed one of the greatest revivals in the Bible. I mean, the evil Nineveh repents before God. It's incredible. He wouldn't have never experienced that if he was not willing to make those adjustments. If he was just going to stay, I'm going to stay at home where it's comfortable and not go where God is, he would have totally missed out on experiencing God. Uh, you may have to make adjustments in your plan and ideas. Uh, Paul, when he became a Christian, his plan was, I'm going to preach to my fellow Jews. And he begins to preach to his fellow Jews, and he begins to reel after, after, after a while that God is calling him to a different place. God was calling him to be, preach to the Gentiles. And he makes adjustments in his ministry, begins to preach to the Gentiles, and all of a sudden, man, doors open, churches are planted, and, and he experiences God in incredible ways. Uh, thousands upon thousands become Christians. He is known as one of the most amazing missionaries of all times because he was willing to make adjustments to his plans. And there are times when God will call us to make adjustments to our plans, because sometimes we have some pretty good plans, and God says, you know, now you got to tweak that a little bit. We always need to be willing to make adjustments. Uh, we may to, uh, need to make adjustments in our thinking or our views of maybe even who God is or how God works. We see this happen to Peter in Acts chapter 10. Uh, Peter is up on his roof. He has this vision of this blanket coming down from heaven with all kinds of unclean animals on there, like pigs and bacon and st stuff we love to eat, right? And... Uh, and God says through that, that, that the Gentiles are actually clean through this vision. And, and for a Jew like Peter, he would have never gone to a Gentile's house. He wouldn't really hang out with Gentiles. But God said, hey, this is how I'm working, and I want you to join me. And after that vision, an opportunity comes up where some guys lead him to uh, Cornelius' house, and he saves his whole family. Peter would have never had that experience of seeing these people come to know Jesus in this Gentile home if he was not willing to adjust his thinking and his views to where God was working. And sometimes God will bring, like, uh, just open up the Bible in a new way and say, wow, I didn't really see that. And God is speaking to you. He's calling you to make adjustments in your life when it comes to your thinking and views. You may have to make adjustments in your time. This is the hard one because we don't like making adjustments for time. But, you know, God asked Noah to build an ark. And that didn't just take a day. And that didn't just take a week. That took a lot of years. I mean, you talk about a huge adjustment of how he was spending time. I'm sure he couldn't spend as much time doing the things he wanted because he had to build a boat for God. And sometimes God will ask you to make major adjustments in your time. That as you're living your life and going down this track, God begins to say, hey, I'm working over here. And you look at it and go, wow, that's going to take a lot of time. But if you say no, you will miss out on experiencing what God wants you to experience. Uh, it may mean finances. When Zacchaeus came to know Jesus, he began to see that God was working his life in, in a sense that he gave half his money away. 
I mean, sometimes God will lead us to a place where it causes us to adjust our finances or how we're spending uh, our money. It may be relationship-wise. I mean, Jesus, again, always looking for where the Father is working, was in Samaria, a place Jews didn't go, but he was there because he loved them. He sees this woman at the well, sees that God is working in her life, and he begins to talk to this woman. And eventually, he reveals himself to her. She goes back to the village, brings all these people, and there's a little revival there in this town because Jesus reached out to someone that Jews normally didn't reach out to. And maybe God may cause you to make adjustments in your relationships. Maybe God keeps pointing out to you, maybe someone at work, hey, you need to connect with that person. You need to take that person out for lunch. I'm at work in that person's life, and you need to adjust maybe who you do lunch with. Maybe you adjust a bit of relationships because you see God at work. So God will ask us all kinds of different things in life to adjust in order to join him. And this is not always easy. As Henry and Richard Blackaby say, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have no choice. You will have to make significant alterations in your life. Following your master means going where he goes until you are ready to make any change necessary to follow and obey what God said. You will be of little use to God. Your greatest difficulty in following God may come at this point. I mean, we really love the fact that God's at work. You think about God's at work in my life and God's at work around us. We're like, woohoo, that's awesome. We love the fact that God wants to be in relationship with us. It's like, ah, I love God and he loves me. That's woohoo, that's great. We love that God might even invite us to join with him because it's like, God's asking me to help him out. That's pretty cool. We love the fact that God speaks to us. The crisis of faith is hard. But when God actually says, okay, now I want you to make some changes in your life so that you might adjust your life to what I'm doing in your life or what I'm doing around you, this is when it's like, uh, I don't know about that. And there are some reasons, I think, why we resist. Could be lots, but here's some I thought of here. Uh, Self-interest and pride. Uh, We like to be the boss of our own schedule. We don't like people telling us what to do. We don't like people telling us that we need to adjust our life. We don't like change, unless it's our idea. Then we like it, right? But if it's anyone else's idea, we don't like it. And so when God tells us, hey, I want you to make a little change, I want to adjust your schedule a little bit. We, we just tend to resist that because we like being our own boss. But following Jesus is realizing that he is king. And he's not some tyrant, but he is a good king and he loves you and he has your best interests in mind. And so it's worth it to follow him. We may lack uh, trust in God. I mean, say God says, hey, I want you to make a little adjustment in your finances. We might say, well, you know, God's going to take away my joy, and I'm not going to spend my money in what I want, or I can't spend, you know, or God may ad- cause it to say, I you know, want you to adjust your time. You're like, I'm not going to have time to do what I want. I'm not going to have any fun anymore. In other words, you just kind of live with this, that you just don't trust that God has your best interests in mind. You don't trust that he is for you. You, you kind of think that he's against you and just want to make, you, make your life miserable, and you have, like, no idea who God even is if you think that way. I mean, God loves you. I mean, he died on the cross for you. I mean, if he's done that, I mean, as Romans 8 says, how much more is he going to bless you and walk with you? If God is calling you, it may not always be the safest thing to do, but I tell you, if you want to experience God, you need to make adjustments. You need to trust him, that he knows what he is doing. He knows what you are like. It could be a fear of incompetence. This goes back to our crisis of faith. 
When he asks us to make a major adjustment, we might just like, I don't know, I can't do that. I'm not rich enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I could never do what God is calling me to do. It would mean this. And we just, we just t- totally walk in incompetence, not knowing that we're empowered by the Spirit. I mean, that we don't walk defeated lives. We walk lives knowing that God is with us and he is in us. And, and that even if I am weak in a situation, that God is stronger than whatever he is calling you to do. And by the way, God knows who he's calling I mean, when he was asking me to become a pastor, I was making all kinds of excuses, and I still make excuses, but, but I mean, but God knows who I am. He didn't make a mistake in saying, I want you, Jesse, or I want you, or you, or you. He knows where you're strong and weak, yet he still calls you, because he wants to be strong in your life. He wants to show you what he can do through you, but that means stepping out in faith. It can be a fear of the unknown, because, you know, uh, when God calls us to make adjustments, a lot of time he doesn't give us the whole picture he says, climb the staircase, and he only gives us one stair. And we're like, okay, where's this going? And we have no idea, and it takes faith. When he called Abraham to leave his country, all he said is go. Go to a country I'm going to show you. He didn't even tell him where he's going. But he starts to go, and God begins to show him the rest of the stairs. And this is the way God works in our life. That we have a, we're afraid of where God is leading to us, but God knows the future. God knows exactly where he is leading you. We need to trust him. And it also can be denial, that we simply just deny God is speaking to us. Because sometimes when God asks us to do something big, we're just like, that must not be God. Because that's just crazy. I mean, God would never ask me to do that. It's just too big. I could never do that. And we just deny that I ever heard the voice of God. And the power of denial can be super strong. I mean, if you ever worked or had family members or friends who have been alcoholics or, or addicted to something, you know the power of denial is, is very, very strong. Sometimes the hardest step to jump over. And sometimes for us, we will simply deny that we ever heard God so we can just ignore it and try to make life simpler. But if God is speaking to you, you just got to acknowledge it and begin to step out and follow him. Because when you begin to step out to where God is working, that's when you will begin to experience God in deeper ways. If you keep saying no to God, I'm not going to join you, I'm just going to do life the way I think I should do it, you will probably experience God very little. And God's still going to be gracious to you and love you and walk with you and and be with you, but you're just not going to experience a lot of big things in your life because you're only doing what you can handle. And if you only do what you can handle, you're only going to see what you can do. But if you begin to step out and do what only God can do, that's when you begin to see the miraculous in in our lives. And sometimes it's just an honest question that we ask of ourselves. I mean, am I experiencing God? Am I experiencing God doing anything big? Because sometimes we struggle with this. I mean, I read my Bible, I read through the book of Acts, and there's all these healings and miracles and God doing these amazing things. And they're like, where, where is this today? But sometimes you just got to look at ourselves. Is, am I actually stepping out in faith? Am I actually stepping out when God is calling me? Or am I just denying I'm hearing him? Am I just trying to play it safe? Am I only doing what I can handle? And then I just get what I can do. And therefore, I don't see God do big things. I mean, it requires us to step out in faith. And when you see miracles in the Bible, that's what you often see. It's people who step out into the unknown, step out when they're afraid. They step out and and just trust God. And that's when you see God at work. Now, we don't want to miss out on experiencing God. And there are people who have done that in the Bible. Uh, For instance, in Matthew 8, 
It says, a teacher of the law came to Jesus and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. In other words, maybe this guy had a big house or something and Jesus was saying, hey, come with me. And, you know, Jesus was a traveling preacher. He didn't stay in the nicest spots. Maybe this guy was unwilling, but he refuses. He says, well, I can't do that. Jesus is too big of an adjustment. Or another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. He's not being mean. I mean, Jesus taught us that we're to, to honor our father and mother. There's, there's obviously more to the situation. Maybe he was like, you know, I got to spend the next 10 years with my dad. And then when he dies, maybe then I'll follow you. But either way, he, they both refused to follow Jesus at the invitation. Or John 6, 6, 6. That nasty number, right? At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Jesus was giving some hard teaching. And they were unwilling to adjust their thinking and their theology to what Jesus was saying. And they desert him. Or the rich young, young ruler. Jesus said, hey, sell all you have, give it to the poor and follow me. He was unwilling to make that adjustment. And all these people missed out on something incredible. I mean, could you imagine what they missed out on? If you just stop and think about that. These guys would have had the opportunity to be like walking around with Jesus in ministry. Maybe some of them would have been a part of the 72 that were sent out to like heal people and cast out demons and, and tell people about the kingdom. They would have just had the most amazing life of being with Jesus and seeing miracles and seeing all these amazing things happen. But because they were unwilling to make the adjustments and just play life safe, they probably didn't really experience much of God in their life. You know, they enjoyed going to the synagogue and you know, reading their little scriptures and doing some things, but they didn't probably experience anything big because they did not and were unwilling to make adjustments. And the same thing happens to us. Adjusting our life to where God is working is always worth it. It is scary, it is difficult, it will cost us, but it's always worth it. I mean, we do that in little ways all the time. We go shopping, and we buy something that costs $200. That costs us $200, but why do we buy it? Because we say it's worth it, right? We take a couple hours out of our evenings sometime because I'm going to watch a television show because we say it's worth the two hours because it's really good, and i got to watch the next episode or whatever. It's no different with God. When God calls you to do something, it will cost you, but it will be amazingly and incredibly worth it. There is nothing more exciting than when you see God at work in your life or in your situation or when you realize that the God of this universe used you to do something beyond you. It's like, wow, that's the coolest thing. That's stuff money can't buy. And so we need to be willing to follow him like uh, Elisha, for instance. Uh, says this, Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Saphat, plowing a field. And so God had told Elijah... You need to go find a mentor, a replacement, someone for you to train. And this guy was Elisha. So there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elisha went over to him and threw his, Elijah, sorry, went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. And that was kind of saying, hey, you're hired. You're going to be my protege. So Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. And so Elijah said, that, that's, that's fine. Just go wrap things up and then come follow me. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. 
He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. I mean, here's a guy who saw God at work, who saw that God was calling him to partner with Elijah. He has to make some major adjustments. He's a farmer. He's got all these oxen. He's plowing a field. He's faced with a choice. Do I follow God or do I just keep living this self, this, this safe little life that I, that I have? And he decides I'm going to go with God, which is a good choice. And he's so convinced that he burns his, uh, his plow. He roasts the, the, the meat of his oxen. He gives it away to the townspeople, to the poor people. And he loves them. And then he goes and follows Elijah. And because he does, Elisha is one of those guys in the Bible who did some of the most amazing miracles in the scripture, including, you know, raising like dead people back to life. He experienced God so incredibly because he was willing to make some major adjustments. Now, what if he said no? I mean, what if he's like us sometimes or like me sometimes where I say, you know, no, it's too big of a cost. It's too big of a shift. I can't quite do that. I, I'm just unwilling to do that. I mean, if he would have said that, he would have probably kept on farming, but he would have missed out on seeing God really work through him. I mean, what is it going to cost you if you decide I'm not willing to join God in what he is doing? Here's some changes, uh, some questions we can think about. Uh, what change or adjustment is God asking you to make right now? I mean, God is not always asking us to make like, huge life-changing decisions, but he'll often ask us to make little ones throughout our week, throughout our day. I mean, maybe God is just asking you to make little changes. Maybe, again, there's someone that you need to be talking with, ministering to. Maybe God is asking you to give to a certain ministry or to up your tithe here, or maybe God is asking you to, to make a sh begin making a shift in your career or whatever it might be. What change is God asking you to make? Maybe there are some big things. Maybe you find that there's an area of your life that is kind of major that God is saying, hey, you need to make some adjustments here. What are you doing to join him? What are you doing to make those adjustments? Uh, what is God asking you to do? And secondly, are there adjustments that God has been asking you to make that you find difficult and have been resisting? Sometimes it's helpful just to write them down. I'm having a really hard time with this. And I know God is asking me, but I'm having a hard time with it. And then write down, like, what are you afraid of? What's the worst that can happen? Why, why are you so afraid to make that shift? And then how does God meet your fear? Again, do you, do you, do you understand who God is? Do you, do you know that he is for you and not against you? Do you know he's all-powerful? Do you know he's bigger? Does he know, do you know that he wants you to experience him? And number three, uh, dream about what you might experience with God if you adjust your life to where he's going. Sometimes it's good to, good to think about it. Instead of just saying, oh, this is all bad and I'm scared, say, like, well, what if I do? What might I experience from God? What kind of things might he do in my life? How many miracles might I see? Well, how could God maybe work in this situation? And sometimes that'll just like, whoo, that'll fire you up to go ahead. Uh, what will happen if you do not adjust your life? You're just going to keep getting what you're getting, for sure. Uh, um, and then what you, might you possibly miss out on? So just sometimes it's helpful just to spend some time, write that down, and it just kind of helps you. Say, you know what? I am going with God. The best thing you can do, not always the safest thing to do, not always the most uh, you know, uh, sensitive thing to do, but the, the, most, uh, the best thing you can do is to join God in what he's doing. 
to make those adjustments and to follow God. And in the end, you, you won't regret it. God is for you, not against you. He loves you. And this is one of the reasons we come to this table and we're going to finish on the note of uh, God's love and care for us. Uh, God knows your situation today. He knows whatever struggle you're facing. He knows whatever uh, difficulty you're running into. He knows your joys. He knows your hurts. And God wants to be a part of your life. It doesn't matter how clean or exciting, how dark or gloomy your life is. God wants to work in your life. And it's one of the reasons we come to this table is to remember how close Jesus really is to us. Uh, Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, during this meal, he said, when he took the bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And we come and we take this bread and we eat it and we're to remember that Jesus loved us so much that he broke his body on the cross so that we might have new life. And the cup, he said, he took the cup and said, this is the sign of the new covenant, sealed by my blood. Now, it's only grape juice here. It's not actually blood. But, but when we take it, we remember that Jesus shed his blood for us. That he didn't have to die on the cross, but he willingly died on the cross so that we might be part of the kingdom, that we might be forgiven, that we might be filled with power and grace and goodness. And so this is a table of, of celebration and a table where we come and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. Thank you for the life you've given me. Thank you, God, for the journey that you've put me on and uh, the plans that you have for me. So this table is open. We're going to have some music playing in the background, and uh, you can come forward. And this is a place where you can just uh, thank Jesus, that you can remember Jesus, that you can worship Jesus, you can cast your burdens on him. And after we've all come, then I'll come and we'll close the service. And so the table is open.